out in space. We're back with your your Lou. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. I like that your username is Bear. Hello. Yes, Bear. <laughs> I'm assuming it's because of your current obsession with the bears in Alaska, yes. is it? Yes. I can't remember Excellent. if I talked about them in the past. Oh, well. You might have last yeah. year, but that was a year yeah. ago. I don't think you've talked about them this yeah. year. So go ahead and enlighten us again. There are bears, big brown bears. They are in Alaska in a national park. Katmai, I think it is called. And hmm. they are currently destroying the salmon up there. Just <laughs> totally ripping them to shreds and consuming their parts. And you doing happy, happy bear, bear stuff. stuff. And you can absolutely watch it on camera all the time multiple cameras in fact it's amazing and i love the bears so much that's adorable so we've been doing bear pun things today indeed there have been many bear puns (laughs) all all sent by kathy to (laughs) our group yes bears have not been on my radar a whole lot lately must say but Maybe now that I've got a little more time, they will be. Although I had, like, no time today. Today ended up being a busy day, and tomorrow will be a busy day. Yeah, because you're doing a thing. okay. I'm going to Star Trek Las Vegas, but I planned our episode recording and editing poorly. (laughs) This episode needs to be edited in two days. Things happen. (laughs) Tonight and tomorrow, in order to not have to spend my entire vacation editing. Not just doesn't take that long, but I don't want to have to edit on vacation. While I'm in Las Vegas. Yeah, no, you should not do that. So that'll be fun. But my semester or my summer session has finally ended as of yesterday. So that's exciting. Yeah, Super exciting. And now I won't have to, I'll get a little break from talking so much. And I won't have like just these days full of work hanging over me all day. And it's been annoying. And always finding things to do during the day that just I never have time to finish by the time that I have to go to work. And it's been frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So I will put aside the bear puns for tonight. <laughs> eh, you can bring up some bear puns. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I can work them into the episode, but I've been having That's fair. Chat GPT write some more fun things <laughs> today. TV episodes like The Biggest Gainer instead of The Biggest Loser. So the bears are trying to get Excellent. fatter. And there's my 600 pound life, which the bears, <laughs> it's not really a pun. These aren't really puns, but... The bears are trying to gain weight because that's a problem of a 600-pound brown bear. It's kind of small, right? especially for the guys. I don't know. They tend to be bigger. I have no idea what... I don't know much about bears. They're not uh, not one of the animals I've worked with a whole lot. Pretty, Obviously. pretty awesome. I'm not sure I would want to yeah. go hang out near them. Cause that would be a bad idea. I do know that much, at least. That's scary. <laughs> grizzly bears in particular, you don't yeah. want to be too close to. I mean, I've had a fair number of run-ins with black bears, and that's generally fine as long as you get out of there and don't antagonize yeah. them. But brown bears are much scarier than the black bears that used to wander yeah. our property. People do it. I just don't. And it's yeah. dumb. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they have this whole, like, 
there's a visitor center and a lodge you can stay at and go in their viewing platforms oh. at this place. Oh, gotcha. I thought you were talking about the people that like get mauled by bears because they're actually <laughs> trying to commune with nature and want to commune with the bear. And the yeah. bear is like, I will commune with your face in my tummy. Yeah, not those people. It seems like they do a pretty good <laughs> job at this place of keeping people safe. I, I heard that there's a, gotcha. like a, a bear lesson that they have to take if you yeah. go there. Well, that's cool. That's a different that's a different kind of thing. I've been reading a lot of articles lately about people in like Yosemite getting gored by different animals or attacked by different animals because they're not respecting them and giving them space and they're just going for selfie yeah. opportunities instead of like re- recognizing that these things are wild animals yeah. that can kill you and then do kill you. Yeah, people. I love these bears. They're cute, but they're also horrifying monsters. Yeah, like I, they can be very aggressive when they want to be, and absolutely, yeah. And so I don't think I'd want to do that. I'm happy watching on the cam. Also, I hear they smell real bad. Oh, really? That's not surprising, especially when they've been in the water. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I heard it was like wet dog plus salmon, and that seems like a terrible combination. That does. That (laughs) seems like an awful combination. And speaking of people taking selfies, I did read an article that I think last year some guys got sentenced to a couple days or weeks in jail because of taking selfies at this fall. And getting caught, obviously, because they were in the water with the bears. Jeez, that's just stupid. I would imagine in that case, probably the bear's going to care more about the plentiful salmon than the human, as long as they're not too close. But that's still stupid risky. It's it's the bear's home. Leave them alone. It's their home, and they just want to have their dinner and be left in peace. Exactly. And I just want to watch them rip the skin off the still-living fish. (laughs) Yikes. They pull from the river. <laughs> yeah, not a not a pleasant way to go for the poor yeah. fish. Yeah. But bears got to eat. True. I guess I don't think I gave it to you guys yet, but I did do a um, an Iron Chef bear edition. So we've got <laughs> Barry Flay facing off against Masahari uh, Baramoto. Nice. And the secret ingredient is salmon. Fat Bear 747 is his designation. He was king of Fat Bear Week last year. He is the chairman, and Alton Brown Bear was the host. (laughs) So so that's what I spend my time doing, but tonight I will do podcast stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My my day wasn't nearly as exciting. I edited podcast. Uh, That wasn't the only thing I did. I did some weeding. We had a lot of weeds coming done. up, and then I transplanted some plants because some of them I put in areas that were more sunny than I realized, and other ones I wanted to get out of the shade a little bit more. And some of the creeping undergrowth things that I bought are doing really well, so I dug up some of them and like where they've already spread to, and I, I dug up some of the larger patches and kind of split them out into several smaller patches so that they could spread even more. Nice. That was my fun day of gardening. I haven't really done much gardening in my life ever, but I'm trying. That's great. I'm trying. Yeah, I spent about an hour pulling weeds on Sunday, which is, I should have been doing it all along. So these weeds were, (laughs) technically I'm not even sure they're a weed, but it's a plant that will cover other plants and destroy it. Ah, yeah, that's yeah. bad. I have an app that I check everything with to see if it's invasive, if it's a weed, if it's even some weeds I'll keep if I think they're yeah. kind of nice looking wildflowers. I'm definitely keeping like I want to have 
a wildflower garden, but if it's a weed that's going to choke out other things, or if it's an invasive species, yeah. for sure, I'm getting rid of those. And I did that on Sunday after I went to go see the Barbie movie. I'm going to see that tomorrow with Colin. You are? Oh, yay! Oh, I was gonna I was gonna see it today, but then I didn't end up having time because I forgot that I needed to finish editing podcasts and doing some laundry before <laughs> trip. So going tomorrow, which will be a busy day tomorrow, but whatever. I, I would I was about to whine about you guys going without me, but I also just went by myself on Sunday. Right. So. <laughs> <Bitch>. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. I enjoyed it quite a lot. Yeah. Thank you. I am looking forward to it. And it will be fun. Yeah, that's how I felt about it. But uh yeah, so tomorrow will also be a busy day because I have to do my eight nineteen mile training run and then edit podcast and then I'm going to watch Barbie and then I have dinner at Jeff's parents and then I need to make sure that I'm packed because we need to leave our house at like five AM for our flight on Thursday morning. That it's is many things. Today being Tuesday. I wish you no cancellations. Yeah. Oh, that would suck a lot. Mm-hmm. But probably we'd have more options <laughs> for getting there than you had but they would just be annoying options there yeah i'm wishing you all of the i feel like i i took on all the terrible flight karma for our friends like, <laughs> thank you i appreciate yeah. it no who i don't know took on i something something <laughs> he's he helped his friends and now he's human <laughs> Yeah, that's a great segue. (laughs) (laughs) Who or what are you talking about? I'm talking about Daniel Jackson in Stargate SG-1 Season 7, very first episode. Fallen. Yeah. Ooh, a quiet beer happened. Oh, it's got... Oh, it doesn't have a bear. It's got... It is a beer, not a a bear. It's got a wolf on it. Thank you. Beer ninja. (laughs) (laughs) Bear Ninja, he whispered as he left, in case that wasn't clear. I heard Bear Ninja, but... <laughs> I also wasn't sure, but, you know, it could go either way today. We have Ninja Bears in that game we play from time to time. Oh, I love that game. I love that game. Yeah, the match three yeah. game. That's yeah. a good game. I wanted to play some Zelda today, and I didn't even get to it. Well, Zelda will be there for you when you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take my Switch with me and play it on Sweet. the plane. Or maybe I'll be finishing the podcast on the plane. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe both. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. It'll be hard to get some good drops if I'm on a plane, but I'll do Fair. my best. <laughs> I'm hoping to have it done before then. Anyway, mm. this has been a rambly intro, yes. so let's get into yes. it. <laughs> Would you like to start? Would you like to start? <laughs> yeah, sure. I will go ahead. We're on a planet. Not Earth. A different planet. There's a bunch of people... And by a bunch, I mean four. (laughs) It's all the people. It's fine. My brain is totally fine. I'm not, like, shut down now that my teaching session is over. They are wandering around. I guess they're just traveling somewhere. There's an older guy and a bunch of younger guys, and he's telling them stories, like folktale type of stories about some greedy beast. And the younger guys are just... Very fed up because they've already heard this story. And the older guy, whose name is Shamda, is like, so what? Still has meaning, doesn't it? One of the other guys named Kordib is like, yeah, but you just told it to us on the way here. (laughs) Anyway, all of a sudden, there is a very bright flash of light. And from overhead, 
we see a very naked Daniel laying in the fetal position on the ground. I thought he was bad at fetal position. I think his legs should have been curled up more, but... Yeah, it was a, it was a sloppy yeah. fetal position. <laughs> but it, the image got the point across. It yeah. did. Yeah, it did. It reminded me a bit of the Terminator. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fair. And I was also thinking yeah. about um, Firefly as well. There's a scene in there that's similar. Oh, right. Yeah, and- yeah I haven't watched that as much. I just recently watched nice. the Terminator. Oh, and Demolition Man, too. I think John Spartan oh, Demolition is, Man, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watched that one recently. I love that, that movie. movie. I yeah. might be wrong. Maybe he wasn't, but I thought he was. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Who? Yeah, Demolition yeah. Man? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's totally... naked in that like kind of yeah. fetal position in the Hell ice yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Ooh. Daniel's not in no. ice, though. He's in a field. <laughs> we should call him the Daniel Nader. <laughs> the guys go up to the Daniel Nader. I'll stop. Danielition Man. <laughs> Danielition Man. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean... It turns out in a few seconds that he doesn't know his name. So at least until he figures out what his name is, we can call him either one of those things, I guess. That's true. They come up and ask who he is. And as I just mentioned, he doesn't know. <laughs> and then we get credits. Did you watch the credits? I did watch the credits. And I, of course, noticed that Michael Shanks is back in the opening credits. And we get the glamour shots of him. And Corin Nemec is yeah. removed from oh, the glamour Jonas. shots. He did get a little afterthought credit at the bottom of the next scene, but that was it. Yeah. Mm. In the SGC, we are... Nope. Wait, hold on. Yes, we are in the SGC. We are. We get to see Jonas for perhaps one of the last times (laughs) ever. Sad. Yeah. I think he comes back a few times. He's doing some studying and research on the tablet that they took from Abydos that Daniel thought was super important. Then he's just kind of like thinking, look, you know, looking at books and stuff. And then suddenly he has some flash of inspiration and he's like, I got it. (laughs) And he runs out of his office or Daniel's office because it's going to be Daniel's office again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He runs into Teal'c and tells him he got it. Teal'c's like, cool. Jonas just runs on, though. He doesn't stop to, like, tell Teal'c anything. He runs into Siler, of course, because everyone runs into Siler. He calls him Tyler. But... Does he? I didn't even yeah, notice that. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, sorry, Siler. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does say that here in the like, script. Rude, Totally Jonas. missed that Aww, somehow. poor Siler. So, yeah, he just runs and runs, and then he's in the elevator. He runs into another dude in the elevator. He asks him to push 28. Apparently, this is Martin Wood, the director, according to the notes here. I did no research to find that. I'm only just reading the notes in this transcript. (laughs) This person that transcribed this went into extra detail. Thanks for you, person. Well, this poor character slash the director (laughs) gets to enjoy Jonas's excitement. He, like, touches him and is shaking him. And he's like, it's not the lost city. There's a translation (laughs) issue. Remember that. And then he leaves and runs out of the elevator when it opens and heads in to the control room and asks Walter where Sam is. And he points Jonas to Hammond's office. I don't know. This really isn't important. It's just kind of a like a long shot of Jonas doing this. It was. I really liked the camera work here because it was following him from behind 
Just oh. like, a, like the camera view is flying behind him as he's running yeah. through all these hallways. But then as he stops to talk to Walter, the camera keeps going and then heads up the stairs and is looking ah. down on Jonas from above as he runs up the stairs. And then Jonas passes the camera and it follows him again into Hammond's office. I just thought it was a really cool, cool. shot the way they framed it yeah. and followed him yeah. like that. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So Jonas yeah. is headed to Hammond and Sam. Indeed. Sam's hair is significantly longer, and I don't think I like it. Yeah, actually, I was. No- I think her hair. Yeah, I don't like her, her, that length. It's like longer, yeah. but it's not. I don't know, but yeah, it's not a flattering. Like before, even though it was like yeah, kind of a little dated. It wasn't as dated. This yeah. looks much more dated than the way that it was before. I guess is really kind of what it boils down to. But it's just yeah, yeah it's not a good length. It just makes her head look kind of round. It's not yeah. very flattering. Jonas's hair is a little longer. Even Jack's was a it little was. bit uh, in parts. Yeah. I yeah. was noticing that. I'm like, oh, goodness. Yeah. Everyone's hair grew on break except for Teal'c and <laughs> In Hammond's office, there's a conversation between Hammond, Sam, and Jonas about Tok'ra intelligence saying that Anubis is decimating all of the forces of the remaining system lords. Jonas calls out to them that I got it. <laughs> Sounds like hope is not contagious. <laughs> Jonas elaborates more that he's talking about what he found on the tablet. It's not the lost city. It never made any sense to him anyway that they would be talking about a lost city when the tablet is written in ancient. How could they lose one of their own cities because they were the ancients and like there wouldn't have been an even older city for them to lose, I guess, was mm-hmm. his logic. And also, they wouldn't call it the Lost City. They would call it by whatever the city was actually named. I wonder what that might be. Can't <laughs> possibly imagine. <laughs> Jonas's big breakthrough was that it was called the City of the Lost. I don't know that that actually makes a difference in the storyline. So yeah. I think they were really making a huge deal out of nothing. What? But whatever. He's happy about it. And so good for Jonas. At least he's going out on a high note, kind of. (laughs) He says he's been working from some partial translations that Daniel had been working on, talking about a city called Visubin as the place where that plague began that took everybody out. And this other city was going to be even better than that city, but it was partially under construction still when that plague happened. And so they never really finished it. Sam, meanwhile, has been interjecting, trying to get the gate address from him, which he hasn't provided yet. And Jonas is just continuing to ramble on and on. But the moral of the story is that he doesn't have a specific gate address for it, but that O'Neill found a whole big database of gate addresses when he had that whole ancient knowledge downloaded into his brain ordeal. And so it's got to be in there. And Sam's like, well, we've been going through that as fast as we can, but we haven't found anything yet that could possibly be this hidden city. So this is kind of a dead end. But Jonas has a good point that if this city wasn't finished yet, then probably it would have been the last one on the list. (laughs) I would wonder why it would even be included on the (laughs) list at all. But we're going to argue that it's probably one of the last ones on the list because it's not done yet. So they're going to go and start reworking that list from the back to the front. Skipping to the end of the book. Come on, guys. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes you need to do things chronologically. I guess not this time. Nope. So that's the plan. Hammond orders it done. Warping to world eight. (laughs) 
cheaters. <laughs> They're using all the secret passageways and cheat codes. <laughs> and apparently... They're successful very quickly, maybe? We don't know how much time has passed, really. Because the next scene, we have SG-1 and also it looks like another couple of SG units hanging out on a different planet. It's like SG-1 plus. Seems awfully coincidental that this looks like the exact (laughs) same planet that Daniel landed on and seems to be right about the same time that Daniel landed there. I guess maybe Oma planned it that way. Or kind of hinted at Jonas how to find him, maybe. I don't know. Jack takes this moment when they're already on this planet to have a conversation with Sam about how a plague wiped out all of the ancients, so maybe they should be careful going to planets. (laughs) Maybe should have thought about that years ago. (laughs) Sam is like, well, we don't wear hazmat suits everywhere we go. But probably you should, (laughs) Yeah. At least until you know for sure that they're safe. Yep. (laughs) I thought it was a pretty blasé attitude, and it really reminded me about of how a lot of people handled the pandemic Mm. when they're like, well, if I get sick, I'm going to get sick. So why wear a mask? My immune system's strong and will handle it. But part of the problem was your immune system being too strong and giving you a cytokine storm and then destroying people's lungs and killing them. Neat. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. They are wandering around. They find this village where the people that found Daniel are. So, yes, this is the same uh, planet. I don't think we know that yet, but yep. yeah, I don't know. We, we don't. Yeah, but, we, but it is. Yeah, it's obvious <laughs> because it's like the same guys that were in that scene. Yeah. Cordib is there. So Jonas immediately knows just by being there that these aren't the ancients and they're some kind of nomadic tribe that's just visiting or living there temporarily which i don't know how he got that he doesn't really elaborate but he's not wrong so cool some guy greets them i think he was it's he the same guy from the other one yeah so he was Mm -hmm. he was the one complaining about the old guy telling stories i think yeah yes yes he was They introduce themselves, establish that SG-1 has come through the Shapa Eye. Did you notice that Tilk doesn't have eye makeup anymore? I did not notice that. Hmm. He didn't have any in the other episode that comes after this either that we watched already. (laughs) Or if he does, it's minimal enough to not really be noticeable. Everyone's Mm -hmm. changing it up. Yeah. Cordiv recognizes Tilk as Jaffa. Jack's like, oh, he plays one on TV. Burr, burr, burr. Sure. Everyone understands that reference because these people clearly have TV. Sorry. That's yep. just, <laughs> just being a jerk for no reason. Kind of like Jack sometimes. But anyway, right. Jonas is like, nope, he's cool. He's cool. Cordib tells them that they are, in fact, travelers and they're not from there. But they've been there for a while because it seems like a good place to live, maybe. And, you know, if you guys want to lay your claim. But Jonas is like, don't worry. No, we just want to learn things and talk to you and have a look around. Cool? Cool. Back over at the Stargate, the other SG people are having a look around and setting up a perimeter of some sort. Daniel comes out of nowhere and somehow they recognize him. 
would they recognize him after he hadn't been there for a year? I mean, I guess maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. It would depend on how long these people had been stationed there and how closely they worked with him. But And also, I mean, he, he could be famous among Stargate personnel. Like, yeah. it probably came up in their training True. and whatnot, briefings. Yeah, could could have. Yeah, you're right. They clearly recognize him and are very surprised. That's that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll keep yeah. going. Back in the village... SG three quarters or SG four actually or SG four SG one <laughs> SG four four I'm tired yes SG four four are continuing to talk to Cordib and now Shamda is there as well Shamda isn't so sure that he really wants to trust SG one which is probably a good <laughs> idea and he mentions several different proverbs. Like, Local, I don't, know. I don't know. Proper, it's yeah. Something I was just about to say. Aphorism, I don't know. I was, yeah, aphorisms or proverbs or whatever. And Jack is like, oh, but birds of a feather. But Shamda hasn't heard that story. <laughs> <laughs> and asks what it teaches, and Jack's like, you know, flocking <laughs> and togetherness. I don't really know. But his point is that they're not enemies of these people. They are just looking for. Not even really sure what they're looking for until one of the other SG people comes up and says, I found something. And I I was wondering why they said something instead of someone, because the thing that they found was Daniel. (laughs) They're all shocked to see him. I thought it was a little weird because they were all acting like they hadn't seen him in forever, even though he was just there i know that they didn't know what happened to him yeah after the whole face-off with anubis but they were acting like they hadn't seen him since he died yeah they were all just even more incredulous than in the last episode when he showed up so i just thought it was kind of weird <laughs> a little bit yeah like jack was more surprised here than he was when he saw daniel on the elevator yeah and his voice even cracked as though like he was getting teary at seeing daniel again it was just maybe Maybe he knew he wasn't an ancient anymore because maybe Daniel smells bad or something and he could smell yeah. Daniel instead of just seeing oh, him. Yeah. Could be. Or maybe he was just really disappointed at the prospect of having Daniel back on the team and he's like, Daniel. I already have a Daniel plus over here. I got Jonas. He's right. like Sam exactly. and Daniel all in one. Yeah. I have a better Daniel. <laughs> They've been calling this guy, this guy being Daniel, Aram, because it means naked one and they didn't know what else to call him. <laughs> They found him two moons ago. I guess that was a little bit longer than I was thinking. So it's Mm. been two months or assuming that they have a full moon every month like we do. Who knows? SG-1 tries to talk to Daniel and he clearly has no idea who any of them are and apologizes and then just walks away. He doesn't seem to want to know who they are. Not even me, Jack is yelling. (laughs) (laughs) Jack. Jack follows Daniel to... I don't know, his, some other tent uh, somewhere else. No. Daniel doesn't want to see Jack. Jack, though, is not willing to just leave. He introduces himself and also introduces Daniel to himself. You are Dr. Daniel Jackson. Daniel's like, all I know is this tent and these people. <laughs> I don't remember anything. It's only been two months, though. It's not like you've been yeah. here for years. <laughs> Jack continues to try to remind him of who he was, that he died last year. (laughs) He's like, I'm dead? (laughs) Jack says, no, you just sort of died. You ascended. 
none of this is triggering anything. He mentions Anubis. Daniel's like, (laughs) what was he like? (laughs) Yeah, like that. (laughs) Just like that. (laughs) Daniel's like, why am I here? Jack says, why are any of us here? But he says, I don't know. You can trust me, though. You're Daniel, and how did we end up here if not for us to find you of all the planets in the galaxy? Daniel's like, oh, a higher power put me here? And Jack's like, I don't know, but sounds good, I guess. (laughs) He calls it Daniel's department. (laughs) He does. Elsewhere, outside, basically, Sam is talking to Cordy I guess they're just kind of making small talk when Jack comes back and says he didn't really get anywhere. They're trying to figure out what would have caused him to lose his memory. Sam is guessing that maybe he chose to retake human form, but that the trade-off was that he had to forget everything. So they're debating whether he chose to forget or whether his memory was taken from him, whether it was voluntary or not, whether or not he might be able to ever remember anything They talk about the fact that he was breaking some pretty big rules, so maybe his memory loss was actually a punishment rather than a voluntary thing. In any case, Sam's going to go give it a try, talking to Daniel a bit and trying to convince him that they're his friends (laughs) and that they want him to come home with them. So she goes to Daniel's tent. Yeah. Daniel asks, uh, what's your name again? She reintroduces herself and says he can call her Sam. Then Daniel calls Jack Jim, which Sam corrects, but I just enjoyed that. (laughs) Same. Daniel is conflicted about his lack of memory. He says he does want to know who he is, but he's also not dying to know that because maybe he doesn't like who he was or he doesn't have it in him to make up for something. Maybe he's done wrong. He doesn't know. He knows nothing about himself. Like the hagfish baby genocide. Yeah, yeah. Sam's like, well, that never occurred to me, but, you know, we really miss you, and losing you was really hard, and you're great and wonderful, and we will, you know, you're very caring, and you'd give your life for someone else you don't even know. Daniel's like, well, that doesn't sound bad. She says his one fault was that he wanted to save people so badly that it tore him apart when he couldn't make a difference. I would say he has more faults than that, but okay, Sam. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I would agree with you. (laughs) Daniel also points out that sounds hard to live up to, and yeah. (laughs) Fair. That kind of makes him just seem like, I don't know, Jesus. Uh, I guess they have some things in common, such as the whole Rising. coming back from yeah. the dead thing. <laughs> Sam tells Daniel that he should come back with them to the SGC and they can show him more fully who he is rather than just telling him. He says he'll think about it. Then, for some reason, Daniel's like, was there ever anything between us? That was, it was so random. so weird and random. Yeah. And she's like, uh, uh, what? No, no, we're friends. Cool. And that's the end of that scene. <laughs> that yeah. was so weird. Yeah. Sam heads back outside and joins Jack and Shamda. Maybe coming back from the dead makes you really horny. 
<laughs> it's very possible. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very possible. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Quite all right. I wouldn't know from firsthand experience. Yeah, me either. So. Yeah. We'll have to take Daniel's yeah. word for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I get this reference. What? <laughs> there was a reference in the next episode about a dog and some dancing oh. monkeys. Oh, like, what the hell is Jack talking about? <laughs> but apparently Shamda was just telling Jack about a dog and some dancing monkeys. And Shamda says the moral of the story is appearances can be deceptive. Yeah, that makes sense. Jack's like, great, good story. Jonas and Tilk come up. They sent a UAV out to search the ruins. And Tilk asks how Daniel's doing. Daniel comes out of the tent and says he's going home. He made a decision. He good has. for him. Yeah. So he goes home. He does. They all they do. They all do. They're back in the SGC. Welcome to by General Hammond. Daniel does not remember him either. (laughs) And Jack claims to not remember him either. (laughs) He also tells Daniel he owes him 50 bucks. Because why not? (laughs) And they lead Daniel to the infirmary. In the infirmary, Fraser is happy to share that he's in perfect health, except for the one exception of bad eyesight. So she hands him his glasses. Her hair is longer, too. Long enough to put up. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Everyone's got longer hair. Daniel is rather amazed when he looks around with his glasses on. (laughs) Jack asks if he recognizes him now. Daniel stares at him a bit, asks if his hair has always been that way. (laughs) Jack's like, what way? Daniel says, never mind. Very silly. Yep. They head over to one of the guest rooms that's been all done up for Daniel. Apparently, they put all his stuff in storage, or at least some of it. Jack does say they threw out some, but... (laughs) They've got a whole bunch of Daniel's shit in this room in the hopes that maybe he'll remember if he's got all his stuff. Behold, my stuff. On the nightstand, there's a photo. It's a photo of Sheree. And I was wondering when anyone would have had the chance to take this glamour shot of her. (laughs) (laughs) Because did she ever leave Abidos? Who took a camera there to take a glamour shot of her and then came (laughs) back with it? That's a good question. Yeah, it was weird. But they've got a glamour shot of Sharae in a frame on the nightstand. <laughs> Daniel wants to know who it is. He says he knows her, but can't really quite remember. And Jack is like, eh, you tell me. Maybe Apophis took the glamour shot, and that's not really Sharae. It's <laughs> Amanette. <laughs> oh. But they oh, found it, dark. so, you know. <laughs> yep. Could be. Although she's not wearing any... Uh, weird hats or opera houses on her head so yeah that's true yeah there is definitely no sydney (laughs) opera house on her head so probably not eminette later we get a quick shot of daniel sleeping in his clothes and shoes still on yeah that's weird must have just fallen asleep but then he suddenly wakes up and looks at his the photo he had of sharae and then heads to tilk's quarters did he have to ask how to get there or do you think he just kind of muscle memoried it? I'm going to guess he muscle memoried it. What I thought was weird, too, though, is that he had his glasses on when he was looking at the car- the picture of Charay, and then he went all the way to Tilks without them on and put them back on when he got to Tilks. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. Also, how would he know that Tilk would even be awake? We don't know. Yeah. Tilk was t- trying to kill Noreem, but has not been successful. 
Does that mean he's been sleeping instead? Well, maybe. If he's not having yeah. successful Kelnarim, how has he not died? He has died? to sleep, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because if you're basically saying that Kelnarim doesn't work for him anymore, he's got to have some sort of recovery time. And for humans, that is yeah. sleep, and you die without sleep. <laughs> yeah. So I hope he's sleeping. Tilk hasn't been able to kill Nareem since he started using the Tritonin, and that's not really the point of this, but that's interesting. Yes. Tilk invites Daniel in. Daniel pulls out the photo that he brought with him and says, that's Sharae. He remembered her name. No one told him that. He remembered it all on his own. He said he had a dream about her and he knew her name. He's very yeah. proud of himself. He looks like, that's great news. And Daniel's like, <laughs> oh, cool. I remembered a name. I'm going to, it's going to be great. And uh, so where's my wife? Sharae. And Tilk just looks so sadly at him. He did. Yeah. And Daniel correctly interprets that she is dead. Yep. And that's very sad. Quite. He puts aside the photo, though, to continue on some other track, which is he's asking about Oma de Sala. And he wants to know why would she do this to him if she wanted him to forget. But Tilk is like, well, you were talking about how you were under these rules that the ascended beings had. And maybe you had to have your memory erased. We don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. But maybe Oma wanted you to remember. Daniel then asks about Anubis. And Tilk's like, maybe you should remember this on your own? And Daniel's like, no, no, tell me more. Tell me more. I need to know why this is happening. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> In the briefing room, Hammond and SG-1 are sitting around briefing. <laughs> they think that they've mapped out the ruins. So that's cool. But they haven't found any weapons or anything. So that's less cool. And then Daniel comes in and apologizes for being late. They all just <laughs> stare at him very confused. He jokes that he forgot what time the meeting was. Hammond tells him that the briefing is classified, so he shouldn't be there. And Daniel's like, yeah, well, I used to do these things, so I just kind of felt like I should be here, maybe. <laughs> and Hammond's like, okay, good enough. <laughs> is it, though? It doesn't seem like a good argument to me, but apparently it's good enough for him. And so Daniel has a seat. He does have a valid argument of who am I going to tell? I don't remember anybody. That's fair. <laughs> and when Jack tells him, good one, Daniel says, thanks, Jim. <laughs> Jonas continues to talk about some extensive writings that he found, and they all seem to be of ancient dialects, as in the dialects of the ancients, not just old dialects. He hasn't translated them all yet. <laughs> Sorry, that's Shady Cat. Oh, I was like, what the hell is that noise? That's Shady Cat whining at me. Okay, bye. He hasn't translated them all yet, but they also haven't found any signs of any weapons. He does mention the original name being Visuben, so again, that's the place where the plague started. And it translates to great power, but... They're not necessarily going to find any way of defeating Anubis there. What if the great power they're talking about is just knowledge? Huh? 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 Yeah. Did anyone think about that? Knowledge is That's power. That's true. Right? <laughs> but no. So this isn't a lost city, and it's also not Vis Ubin. So what is it? 
Daniel's like, well, that's because you're not looking for the right thing. Lacoon does not actually mean of the lost. Your translation was wrong. And Jonas is like, well, I based it on your notes. And Daniel's <laughs> like, yeah, my notes were also way wrong. Because apparently now he's fluent in ancient from his time as an ascended. Uh-huh, of course. He says he doesn't really know how he knows. He just knows what the tablet says. Daniel says what actually happened is it is a lost city, kind of as they had originally translated it, but it's not because they lost it. They made it lost in that they probably camouflaged it and hid it away for an as yet unknown reason. Jack talks about the eye that he had to give to Anubis. And I don't really know what that has to do with anything here, but they then talk about the fact that Anubis is now conquering all the system lords. Seems almost accusatory in the sense that they weren't planning to give the eye to Anubis until Daniel was like, no, this tablet was way more important. And they still have no idea where it is. Yeah, true. This tablet doesn't really seem to be nearly as helpful as he had implied that it would be. So yeah, yeah, maybe that's what you're maybe that's what they were talking about. I mean it's a lot to unpack in just, oh, you told me you given you was that eye, but like <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Daniel then adds at the end that all he knows is the place they're searching right now is not it. And Jack wants to know where is it then? But Daniel doesn't answer that because he's just fascinated by the fact that he just said all I know. <laughs> And Jack is pretty fed up. <laughs> Later, Jonas goes to see Daniel. Daniel has been reading about us. I'm assuming not just him and Jonas, but all of SG1. <laughs> Jonas is there to ask him about Anubis, his partial ascension, and that the ancients tried to send them back, but now he's trapped between two levels of existence Jonas therefore thinks that Anubis would not know everything there is to know including where the city is because otherwise he would have already found it Jonas is like but maybe he could accidentally find that tablet and won't make the same translation mistake I did and maybe maybe we put some like fake information on it Daniel asks why then there was just a bunch of very quick scenes, kind of like a montage. I guess it was a montage. Yeah. There is an image of Tilk standing at the base of the ramp in his Jaffa armor, getting ready to head through. And then we are in Daniel slash Jonas's office as they are doing some translating. In Sam's lab, they're all looking at a hologram of Anubis's ship. I had no idea what they were looking at until I paused it. And read through this manuscript or this transcript that says they're looking at a hologram. I'm like, what is this glowy flower that they're all looking at? (laughs) What the hell is this? Yeah. No, there was some toker there with them that had brought a hologram of the the layout of Anubis's ship and was showing them stuff. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, those are toker there. (laughs) I think we know that later. (laughs) Yeah. On the alien planet. One of the locals scrapes some dirt away from something that looks like transporter rings. And then up on Yu's ship, Tilk goes up to you and kneels down in reverence. I thought you had died, so... I did too. <laughs> Welcome back, Lord Yu. Yeah, didn't we pretty much figure he was dead in the last 
battle where like all of those ships were blown up like his whole fleet yeah (laughs) yep but no but no (laughs) still alive welcome back you (laughs) then we finally get a scene of some substance rather than just the random various clips in that montage sam is giving a presentation to sg1 plus daniel i guess it's sg 1.25 sure yeah with daniel there yeah and a tokra and some other randos Talking about how they've had little success using the Quadria to power the F-302's hyperspace generator for any length of time. I would say they've had a fair amount of success, but that those <laughs> amounts of success all ended in catastrophic <laughs> failure. <laughs> I mean, they did get a fair amount away before they got True. very lost when it stopped working. But she thinks that they can use it for short controlled bursts that would send it into just a quick hyperdrive. You've already done that, yeah. Sam. And that also ended badly. <laughs> But whatever, they're going to do it again. I mean, some of it was okay. They, you know, put that asteroid through Earth that time. Yeah, but they, they had to eject the the warp drive. Oh, yeah. In that la- co- when they had the to ship- eject the warp core the last yeah, time they did so it. So they've had, yeah, varying levels of <laughs> success. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they're going to try it again <laughs> and hopefully not rematerialize right within the mothership. Because that would be bad. Yeah. How precise does this need to be to pass through the ship's shields but not hit the ship? That's crazy. Yeah. I. That's got to be pretty pretty precise. Yeah. And you got to hope that they don't decide to suddenly move. Yeah. <laughs> and move just enough so that you, whether you calculated right or not, you still end up in the middle yeah. of the ship. Yeah. Sam says that according to intelligence provided by the Tok'ra, the power core of Anubis's new weapon has to be cooled by a ventilation <laughs> shaft that can be accessed from the outside. And if they can target that, this plot was sounding awfully familiar to me. What? I'm like, where have I heard all this before? Are they going to have to go maneuver down a trench? Jack is like, where is this shaft exactly? And that is what I was thinking is, let me guess, it's at the end of a long trench. <laughs> Probably with an opening about the size yeah. of a womp rat back home. <laughs> Sam says she doesn't know where exactly that shaft is, but we all know exactly where they're going to find <laughs> that shaft. In a galaxy far, far away. Exactly. One of the Tokra people says that they have not been able to get aboard any of Anubis's ships, so they don't really have all that much intelligence that they can really share to be helpful. The one thing that they do know is that he uses a dialect of the ancients on his ship to make it that much harder for anybody else to translate, and it's worked because the Tok'ra haven't been able to translate them. But they've got their secret weapon of Daniel Jackson here now, who speaks fluent ancient. And so they're going to sneak Jonas and Daniel onto this ship because what could go wrong with this person that you've just recovered from the dead who doesn't remember anything going out on a mission? Nothing. But yeah, I, I can see why they want to do this because he's the only one that can translate it. But at the same time, it seems like a yeah. really bad idea to send him off on a mission. Because how would he even know for, like, I, I know that you all trust him because he's Daniel, but what if he doesn't remember you and doesn't remember exactly who all his friends are supposed to be and someone comes up with a really good argument of why he should be aligned with Anubis and is like, see, remember you were friends with Anubis before and Daniel could be like, oh, okay, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 
But anyway, they're not going to address that. They're just going to assume it's fine. The Tok'ra person says that they've got an injectable radioactive isotope, which will let them hide themselves from being detected on Anubis's ship. Sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, Sam and Jack are going to be out in the X-302. Once Daniel and Jonas have managed to get the location of the ventilation shaft opening, (laughs) where it is sitting at the end of its trench, (laughs) they're going to send it out to Sam and Jack, who are going to be waiting outside in the X-302, hanging out, and then they're going to go and fire on it and blow up the ship. And hopefully Daniel and Jonas will figure out how to get off the ship before that happens. But they don't talk anything at all about the plan to get Daniel and Jonas off (laughs) the ship. So here's hoping. Yeah. Yep. Sam says that this won't destroy the entire ship and it will probably still have defenses and weapons. So that doesn't seem like a good plan (laughs) to just destroy part of the ship, but not really do enough damage to make a difference very risky for little gain if you ask me but what do i know i guess yeah but i guess there's some other new super weapon that the hope will be taken out which would be the one that blew up the pyramid in the last episode so i guess that's a benefit yeah at least jack does finally speak up and ask who else thinks it's an absolutely insane idea raise your hand and so, of course, everyone does eventually, with some prompting, raise their hand. And I'm like, okay, good. It's not just the audience <laughs> <No. laughs> being me that thinks that this is an asinine plan, but whatever. But then Hammond is like, well, keep your hands up because the next question is who's going to make it work? <laughs> it's going to take them a week to relocate all of the inhabitants of the ruins. And in the meantime, they're going to remove the 302 piece by piece through the gate and reassemble <laughs> it on the other side. I'm hoping it's not like when you're trying to build some Ikea furniture and you're always left over with some extra pieces at the end <laughs> that may or yeah. may not be critical in, to the integrity of the thing you just built. So the 302, isn't that the smaller ship? It is. Yeah, it's kind of like the Death Glider equivalent. They made it so big it can't get through the gate even though the Death Gliders can? Yeah, that's a good question. And I forgot about that. That's That seems yeah. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Whatever. (laughs) It's not the point of this scene. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, after all that happens, they're going to take the fake tablet and the Tok'ra are going to plant it (laughs) somewhere. I don't know. It doesn't even matter. (laughs) And break. They all go and do whatever it is they're doing on this weird convoluted plan. Sam asks at the end, though, if it's wackier than blowing up the sun. And Jack says yes and leaves. (laughs) And then Sam, after he's gone, says to Daniel and Jonas, yeah, he's probably right. (laughs) Meanwhile, elsewhere, Lord Yu is going to go take a nap. And his first prime lets him know the fleet is ready. I don't know why, but the first prime standing next to another Jaffa that was so much taller than him... (laughs) was very distracting to me. I did not have that. It just seemed like an odd casting choice to have a guy that was so tall that he dwarfed the first prime standing next to the first prime. It made the first prime less convincingly powerful, which I know that's weird because like somebody who's shorter, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a worse fighter, but I expected the taller guy to step forward when you was addressing the first prime and I'm like, oh, it's that guy? (laughs) Like he was a full head and shoulders taller than 
the first prime was. I don't mean just like a little taller. I mean like at least a foot, more than a foot probably taller. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, use like I say when the fleet is ready to move. And the first prime's like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure. It's just, you know, maybe we need to start getting ready to get into position to ambush Anubis like you said you would. And he's like, don't talk to me like that or I will kill you. And he gets on into the sarcophagus and tells him to then move the fleet into position. Back in the SGC, they are in the locker room, Jack and Daniel. Daniel notices Jack's picture of Charlie in his locker. Daniel says, that's your son, Charlie. So he's remembering things. Daniel's remembering the events of the Stargate movie. He wasn't even involved in those. I <laughs> know. Neither of them were. <laughs> Jack asks Daniel if he's ready for this mission. And Daniel's like, well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Convincing. Yeah, yeah. Jack also notes that he's not remembering everything because he never used to follow Jack's lead. <laughs> Daniel's like, oh, I didn't. But he says, assuring Jack, he remembers enough, which is fine with Jack. Back on the alien planet, they have set up their base camp. Hammond and Walter come through. We've never seen Walter no. off-world. I was very excited yeah. for him and happy for him. He must be so excited <laughs> to finally be off-world for once after watching so many people go through and he looked very different in fatigues and without his glasses and with a hat on because normally he's got more like a dress shirt on and his glasses he looked quite different i was happy for him and it's also weird to see him in off world because we've only seen him leave the planet i think once when sg1 was on the prison planet and he was trying to argue for their release so yeah Sam welcomes them to the base camp and says it's good to see them off world specifically good to see him in off world and it's a little strange But Hammond is like, well, it's not your run-of-the-mill alien planet operation, is it? No, it's not. It's a weird convoluted one. So Sam's going to go get ready in the 302 and heads on her way. Out in space, we see a bunch of motherships. And then we're on Yu's ship. And Tilk is talking to Yu's first prime about how they've just received word that Anubis is arriving momentarily. Ooh. Next, the 302 launches, or is about to launch. Jack makes a reference to Red Leader, which is a little too Star Wars, I feel like, for this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially given how Star Wars-y the upcoming battle is. (laughs) They're just leaning into their Star Wars theft. But yeah, that whole scene was just them getting ready to take off, and then they take off (laughs) (laughs) with Star Wars reference. Yep. Next, we see that Anubis has arrived at this planet. That was that scene, too. (laughs) Then some Jaffa from Anubis's ship transport down using the rings, which I guess may or may not have used the receiving rings. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Unknowable. Yeah. So there's just some zhuzhuzhuing as guards come down or Jaffa, yeah. The team on the ground attacks the Jaffa arriving and gives cover for 
Jonas and Daniel to get together onto the ring platform and ring the hell out of there up to the ship to do their part. I know they have that isotope to hide that they're there, but you would think that there would, again, be some indication on the ship that some rings just activated and somebody came in via ring. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess not. (laughs) Out in space, Jack and Sam are pulling up alongside Anubis's ship and talking about how huge it is. Definitely not a thing they ever did about talking about the Death Star in Star Wars. That's no moon. It's a space station. Definitely not. (laughs) Cut the chatter, Red 2. Sam thinks it's probably about 400 kilometers in length. Is that That's what she... That's that is that is very large. Fair. On board the ship, there's a bunch of Jaffa marching around while Daniel and Jonas hide because, like every other mothership we've seen, there's just so many nicks and crannies and columns and places for people to hide. Conveniently, (laughs) the Jaffa pass and, of course, don't notice them. So they continue to sneak, sneak, sneak their way around the ship. They find the room that they need with the computer in it. There are some Jaffa in it, so they zap those Jaffa, and then make their way in and close the doors behind them and start snooping around on the computer. Outside, Sam and Jack are basically just talking to each other about navigating the ship. Really nothing important. Until they see some death gliders coming, and that seems bad. And then suddenly, those death gliders, of course, notice the 302 there and start (laughs) firing on them. So... Sam and Jack fire back. On the ship, the Jafar trying to get back into the room Daniel and Jonas have sealed themselves in. Elsewhere, we are back with Lord Yu's fleet. Yu orders the fleet to some other place that's not there. And the first prime is a little bit like, what? We're gonna, we're gonna, we were gonna ambush Anubis, remember? And use like, shut the fuck up, do what I say. Tilk is with the first prime, and Tilk's like, you can't. The first prime's like, yeah, I have to. And orders Tilk taken to a holding cell. But Tilk is like, you're dooming yourself and your master if you let this opportunity pass you by. But the first prime is still like, I have to do what. You says because he's a god. On Anubis's ship, Herak, who continues to sound like Dark Helmet, <laughs> comes up and updates Anubis. There's a human base on the planet now. But there's no energy signatures in the city, so I guess they've come to the same conclusion that SG-1 did, that there's no fun weapons down there. Womp, womp. In the computer room, Jonas and Daniel are continuing to snoop around. Jonas did something to the door controls, I guess, that's supposed to keep the Jaffa out for a while so that Daniel has more time to look around. Jonas asks, can't you do a keyword search? (laughs) Daniel's like, sure, for what? Maybe Achilles? (laughs) That probably isn't going to work so well. Although Daniel does do something. Maybe he does actually do a keyword search. We don't really know. Probably not actually for Achilles. But whatever Daniel does, he manages to find suddenly the location. I think Jonas did suggest power core venting and eventually. So Daniel does a search, finds it, and they send that information out to Sam and Jack. However, they are under fire, unfortunately, when they get this. Yep. When they've showed Sam and Jack 
I noticed that the ejection seat levers are very prominently displayed on either side of their seats. And it just got me to wondering if there's any kind of mechanism that disables those when they're in outer space. <laughs> I would hope. Just in case. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Because they definitely don't have any pressurized suits on or anything that would help them survive outer space. Maybe they installed the ejection in the event that they will one day wear pressurized suits. I don't know. Anyway, Mm. things are not going great even with that information. Sam says that they need Anubis to power the weapon in order to do their thing. Hammond also reports that they haven't heard anything from Teal'c and that you is not there. Jack is like... Hmm. Yeah. Unsurprised. Yeah. Back on Anubis's ship, Harak is reporting to Anubis that the 302 continues to elude the gliders. Anubis is like, send more gliders. Harak says that whatever you're looking for, I don't think is here. Anubis is in agreement, though, and tells Harak to recall the ground troops for reasons. Back with Daniel and Jonas. Jonas says that he doesn't think they're going to get the rings back to the surface. So I guess that was their plan to escape the ship, even though that wasn't mentioned before. They see something on screen and realize that this ship is targeting the planet, even though it was not going to. Jonas calls down and tells everybody on the planet that their position's been compromised and the Stargate is being targeted. And that the Naquita is going to amplify the blast. So that's bad. Indeed. Hammond orders a full evacuation. Meanwhile, outside, Sam and Jack kind of have to go do their thing now before the Star Wars weapon can be fired on the planet. (laughs) And then this scene is just straight up out of Star Wars of them (laughs) flying around, dodging things. I mean... I was wondering if maybe they ran out of money in their effects budget and so just lifted the scene right out of Star Wars. Because, like, shot for shot some parts. Yeah, it's... it's, This is the Star Wars episode. Like, they went by a gun turret at one point and it was, like, a double-barreled gun turret and it fired, like, one and then both, like, alternating and then together and then alternating. And that is definitely a thing that happens in Star Wars, too. (laughs) But anyway, they're on their way looking for that trench. (laughs) Harak reports things are not going well now. Elsewhere on that same ship, Daniel and Jonas are like, let's get out of here. However, their escape that they're trying to make, which uh, involves climbing into a ventilation shaft, goes awry because Daniel gets up into whatever shaft they found to hide in. However, Jonas is unfortunately caught by the Jaffa. Elsewhere, Sam and Jack are still working their way through their Star Wars movie. <laughs> they they take out the the weapon. They yeah. do. And Herak's like, the core is overloading. We need to power down the weapon. Uh-oh. Oops. And we see a shot of the exploding power core. And yeah, as you said, you cannot get more Star Wars than this scene, I feel like. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> sure can't. Much Star War. <laughs> I feel like that needs to be the episode. <laughs> Sam tries to get in touch with Daniel, who's crawling around in the ventilation system now, very much like Die Hard. <laughs> he confirms he's still on the ship. 
He congratulates them, though, because he is pretty sure that he felt an explosion and assumes that they hit their mark. (laughs) And Jack's like, yeah, it was fun. (laughs) Sam says they're going to wait until Anubis's ship clears out and rendezvous with you at the Stargate. So how do they get back outside of the shields? I guess we've already figured out that the shields are one way. So I guess they can just fly through them, probably. Sure. Or maybe they're going to jump through them. Who knows? Anyway. Yeah. But Daniel says that they might have a little problem. Presumably that problem is that Jonas has been captured. What? Because the next scene is with Anubis telling Jonas that he's going to suffer greatly because Jonas is strapped down and he's got like a thing holding his throat and his wrists down to the table. It looks very uncomfortable. And Jonas is like, well, whatever. We destroyed your little weapon thingy, so don't care. But Anubis tells him he's in no position to gloat. And Jonas is still like, well, don't care because you suck and we (laughs) ruined your plans. So whatever. And I'm not going to tell you anything. So go fuck off. (laughs) Although it's Jonas. So he wouldn't say anything as as rude as that. But Anubis is like, oh, you're going to tell me things. And then he pulls out a round spiky device like what they put in Thor. And that is finally the end of this complicated to describe episode. (laughs) (laughs) We made it. Kathy, did you like the episode? I, yes. I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, they have a ridiculous plan, but it's Stargate, so it's fine. And, you know, I really like Star Wars, so cribbing from Star Wars, no problem. <laughs> no problem with me. Uh, I was sort of... Daniel has no memory, except he's getting his memory back. Is that actually going to go anywhere? Like... Do we get answers about that? I don't know. Not in this episode. Maybe in the next one. About about like why he lost yeah. his memory? Or like I mean, what I was... is the purpose of him not having his memory? Like, oh, what yeah. does that I don't know that we add get... to this plot I... in this Yeah, episode? I have no idea. It doesn't really add anything because I was just always assuming that he was going to get his memory back. And spoiler, he does get his memory yeah. back in full by the next or mostly in full maybe he lost his memory so the rest of sg1 could explain who he was to anybody who randomly only saw season six of sg1 before that wouldn't surprise (laughs) me didn't you say that it was like right around the end of season five and beginning of season six that they switched networks or something and that's why we ended up having that whole shitty super in-depth clip show yeah, I think so. Yeah. So could be. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's why. I don't know. I'm just thinking this through at the moment. But either yeah. way, I, that felt kind of pointless. And obviously, the plan was insane. But also, it was entertaining enough. It kept my interest. So it was. I liked it. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I for some reason I remember not liking this episode. I think I was just annoyed in hindsight. I was probably just annoyed that Daniel was back. <laughs> I, for sure <laughs> because I, the episode was fine and it wasn't nearly as bad as i was thinking it was when i said last week that i remember not liking it i liked it fine daniel not having a memory was annoying the beginning scenes with him like not even wanting to go back i was yeah. irritating but then the rest of it was star wars and you know i love star wars yeah. we both love star wars so yeah so it's good aside from the beginning being a little slow with daniel being annoying so i'm Again, I'm not exactly sure why I remember not liking this episode, but that's my guess is to <laughs> realizing that Jonas was probably on his way out and that Daniel yeah. was back. What's next? What is next? Am I doing that? 
Are you doing All right. that? I still okay. do that. I do that now. Yeah. yeah never mind. <laughs> what is next? <laughs> Force of habit. That's fair. It was, fair. you know, a good two years of it being I mean, I'd be around. happy to do it, but I'd have to, like, find the booklet. That's fine. <laughs> next is episode two of season seven, Homecoming. Anubis attacks Jonas' home planet, Kelona, when he learns it has Mines of Nequadria, a powerful energy source he can use for his superweapon. The Kelonans seek help from SG-1, specifically Jonas, who may be the only one who can save his homeland and ensure its peaceful future. Oh, could this be the end of Jonas? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Could be. Meanwhile, it does seem to be coming full circle. At the TVDB... The team returns to Jonas' homeworld when they learn that the Gua'uld are after its Nequadria. When Jonas is captured by Anubis, Daniel is his only hope, just like Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. 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 So now that we're in season seven, I was going to ask, do we want to officially talk about what our plan is for Atlantis starting? Because we've only got one season left of this being the only Stargate. That's true. And then in... In season eight, the two shows overlap, and we've been debating for quite a while what to do about that. I don't that. think we ever landed anywhere, though. I don't know that we did, but I've kind of been thinking. I So I found on, what was it, Stargate.fandom, I think, I found a watch order recommendation. Okay. That I thought I mentioned to you a while You back. might have. Yeah. So on that website, they had a watch order, which actually, let me pull that up here. Hang on. I don't remember the exact order. I think I found it on stargate.fandom.net somewhere. Um, But it was a recommended watch order that was something along the lines of, I think it was watching, there's a, so there's a two-parter that I think is season eight, episode one and two. And then it was recommending that you put Atlantis in after that and alternate the rest of season eight and the rest of the seasons of Stargate. So basically I was just thinking that we should go with the recommended watch order that I found on that website. Based on that assumption that you're going to watch, you're going to start season eight of SG-1 and then alternate season eight with Atlantis season Interesting. one. Interesting. Okay. That is my suggestion. I, Do you want me to go and actually like get no, my laptop and find I mean, the actual we don't thing? I do it right now. I'm just trying to like, yeah. it's, I, I'm, now I'm actually thinking about it before it's been like, oh, that's so far down the road. Yeah. Cause it's not that far now. It's like, maybe, I mean like, so yeah, it's still months, probably like yeah. six months, but not that yeah. long. Yeah. Not even it's six sort months. of. I think it sounds fun, and I think that'll be interesting to kind of like change it up like that. Yeah. But at the same time, like, are we going to then start comparing the two shows, and then should we or should we not? Like, oh, I wasn't gonna like compare them well, in what way? I wasn't be like, necessarily. Oh, thinking. I really like this episode of SG One, but God, Atlantis has been so much better lately. Oh, I mean, we could <laughs> mention them. We, we could do that. I, I mean, just, I was assuming we were going to be covering them in separate yeah, weeks. I, like, well, no, that's what I. I'm just. Oh, yeah. my, I guess my overall impressions, I feel like, I, I don't want, I yeah. don't know. I don't see why we could for, for sure like, mention our overall well, impressions like, if anything specific yeah, comes Yeah, but up. I mean, like, will the waning seasons of SG-1 just look sad in comparison to Atlantis? And will that color they might. in our watching <laughs> of it, you know? I don't know. I don't could. know. But I would think that somebody watching it when it was extant would have a similar experience. True, that's true. Experience. And I've never watched them this way because I definitely watched Stargate after it had ended. Yeah, for sure. I think is when I started. And then I saw Atlantis after I'd watched all of SG-1. So I'm actually kind of interested to see it in more of a a way that it aired. Because that that recommendation of alternating, 
It was based on the airing That's fair. Dates. Yeah. We could do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. Also a recommendation in that thing I found of like where you should insert the Stargate movies, oh, the, the SG-1 yes, yes. movies into the timeline, which I, of course we are going to have to do that at some point too. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, we will alternate between Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis for a while, and then we'll shove a couple movies in there. <laughs> Yay. Apparently. Yeah. Huzzah. Woo! We made a decision about we a did. thing. Go us. Yeah. Anything else in the meantime? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We appreciate your doing so, and we would appreciate if you would uh, like us wherever you can. Uh, subscribe to our podcast if you've not already done so. Please leave any reviews wherever possible. Positive words are very much appreciated. Constructive criticism, I guess, is okay, but don't be rude. No, yeah. I don't know if people... I no, literally have not come across a mean review that i know of we haven't yeah. had any <laughs> so no. let's keep that streak let's going hope. yeah at least none that i've found anyway and we get notifications <laughs> yeah. most of the time when we get one tell so. your friends and family our website is stargazing.space where you can see the episodes as well and also i think contact us through our web form and leave us voicemails if you'd like you can also contact us through our email which is stargazing at gmail.com we're on Instagram and we are at Stargazing there and we are also at Stargazing on Mastodon.world. If you would like to help us financially continue this show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash stargazing. Yay! Woo. I'm Kathy. Hi. And man. you've been listening to Stargazing. The end. The end. And then they realize that this ship is targeting the planet anyway. They're targeting. Yeah, it says they're targeting the planet. But what, I thought what Anubis did... just said he wasn't going to do that. Anubis just said he was going to yeah, leave. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. weird. Whatever. <laughs>